This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello there, Ashley Banfield here, and this is Rising Tide, the place where I bring some of the greatest mentor minds to you. If you care about your craft and you want to be better at what you do, I want to help you with that. You know, it's easy to assume that you need an Ivy League education to really make it big. But each month, I feature VIP mentors who are leaders in their industry, and they say, that's not true. They're going to prove to you that you don't have to have highbrow connections to create your own personal best. And they've agreed to share their tips, their secrets, and their career advice with you. This is Rising Tide. I'm sure you can all see the man of the uh, half hour, Dan Rather, who is uh, on the Zoom with us. Big thumbs up from everybody in the Zoom for Dan. I think it's fair to say with so many people on the Zoom, Dan, we have grown wiser, some of us older, um, watching you and uh, digesting your journalistic talent, your wisdom, your skills, your even keeled demeanor and we've all learned um and are, are the better for it so without even knowing it i think you've already been a mentor to many on this on this call i'm so happy that you're here dan by the way um can i dan can you give me a minute just to give a quick bio of you so that the younger folks oh, can absolutely. know absolutely and thank you for your kind words actually well i speak the truth okay so for the youngins on the zoom um He's got a famed and story career, kiddos. Uh, this guy is there. He's up up here when there's down here is the peak. Uh, Dan is one of the world's best known journalists. He's covered almost every important dateline for the last 70 years. Um, he is a member of the Television Hall of Fame. He has won the biggest awards in electronic journalism numerous times. He has also interviewed every president since Eisenhower. Let that sink in. Dan joined CBS News in 1962. He quickly rose through the ranks and in 1981 assumed the position of anchor and managing editor of the CBS Evening News, a post he held for 24 years. His reporting across the network helped turn 60 Minutes into an institution. It launched 48 Hours into an innovative news magazine program and shaped countless specials and documentaries. Upon leaving CBS, Dan Rather returned to the in-depth reporting he's always loved, creating an Emmy award-winning news and documentary program called Dan Rather Reports. He has written several best-selling books, of course, and continues to shape the public discourse through his media appearances, his extensive reach on social media, and a steady newsletter that he puts out. Please uh, check Substack for Dan's uh, newsletter. He's been married to his wife, Jean, for 66 years, and they live in their native Texas. Dan, it is so good to see you again. 
Well, Ashley, thank you very much, and thank you for having me, and I appreciate that kind and overly generous introduction. I trust that you and perhaps those who are joining us here know what Abraham Lincoln said about what he considered to be much appreciated, but uh, perhaps over-the-top introductions. Honest Abe said, never take time to deny it. The audience will find out the truth soon enough for themselves, and so it will be with our young friends here this morning. Well, I think the audience knows the truth and they know that everything I just read is only the tip of the uh, incredible iceberg that you are. You're just you're you're um, a very special person to me. Um, Dan, just a little side note, Dan and I met in person for the first time in Afghanistan, um, of course. Dan was there reporting live as the, you know, chief anchor of uh, CBS News. He was not going to sit on his laurels. Uh, he was there and it was not the first time. Dan had been there many times and he told me some phenomenal stories about what it was like and and um, and how he was treated. And it was very, very helpful to me as I began my uh, war correspondence um, career. So I'm I'm forever thankful for your guidance. And by the way, you were so kind, even in the midst of this very chaotic situation, to stop down and have breakfast with me <laughs> and tell me all these amazing secrets. So from the bottom of my heart, in this mentoring session, I can now tell you genuinely, thank you for helping me really set the course that I took um, in my career. Uh, it was invaluable. Well, I, I appreciate your memory of that. I have a very fond memory of that. and We should get on to whatever mentoring we can do, but okay. I want to actually... Uh, that you were very impressive at that time. Oh, that's so sweet. It's one thing uh, to be uh, very attractive physically, mentally, spiritually. It's another to be a very good performing professional. But it's quite yet another thing to have the guts to go into a war situation, particularly one uh, that was very hot at that time. And from the moment I saw you there, uh, doing what combat reporters do, uh, I said to myself, uh, she'll have my everlasting respect. And I will tell you uh, that this is one of the reasons I'm doing this today uh, is because Ashley asked me to, and I immediately flashed in my mind that vision of you in Afghanistan and my saying to myself, you know, yes, this lady is pretty. Yes, she's talented. But the biggest thing about her, she has guts. Oh, man. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Dan. That really is just not not what I expected today. So thank you. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the with the really good questions. We have so many good ones. Um, and I want to start with one from Christopher Maloney in Atlanta, who is a colleague of mine. It's a great question. I think it's um, it's perfect for this just to start this off. He asks, if someone asked for something that they could do right now to improve themselves, to improve their career prospects, what would that be? Well, uh, I'm going to try to keep the answer short because, frankly, I love the question. I like the question, and it'd be hard for me to imagine a more important question for people who are serious about want to be a good journalist as well as being a good person. So among the things they could do, and I'll keep the list, as short as I, my conscience will allow me to do, is to look up the words character, uh, character and integrity. Look up the dictionary definition of character, the dictionary definition of integrity. I don't think it's possible. And if it is possible, it's, it's very, very difficult at the least to be a good, much less a great journalist 
unless you're constantly trying to improve your character and you're constantly aware of the need to be integrity filled. That's true of being a person, and that's also true of being a journalist. So what can you do to help yourself today? Go to the dictionary, look up the word character, look up the word integrity, absorb them, process them. Secondly, what you can do today is take out a small card, like a business card, but a, uh, or a piece of paper, something you can write on. And write on it is what I'm doing right now helping me to achieve my professional goal. Hmm. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Take it out and take a look at it nearly every day. I did this. I, I bear witness this works. I did this between the ages of 18 and about 24. I carried a piece of paper like that in, in my pocket and would pull it out and look at it. Is what I'm doing right now helping me to achieve my professional goal? Because here's the point. Actually, you know, you're walking proof of it. To be successful as a journalist, to succeed as a journalist, you have to burn with a hot, hard flame. If you don't burn with a hot, hard flame to do it, or you're a young age and you're not sure you could develop that, then you need to find out. Because journalism requires an, an all-in. 24-7, as the cliche goes, Christmas, New Year's, anniversaries, birthdays. It requires a kind of total dedication. So my advice, for whatever it may be worth, is to hang up there a polar star, your navigational star. What, what do I want to achieve in journalism? What do I want to be as a journalist? And all the time, see yourself mentally moving toward that star. It's an impossible to reach star. You'll never reach the complete your hopes and dreams. But if you keep your eye on that polar star, if you're still with me, and you're every day, at least once a day, and I would say several times, just looking at this piece of paper that says, is what I'm doing right now helping me be a better pro, then I think you stand some chance to make it in the wild and brutal jungle that is journalism. It, the, the, that's an amazing piece of advice, this total dedication married with passion. Um, it's hard. This, this total dedication is, is an unusual uh, metric today because COVID has sent many people home, has changed um, our level of apathy somewhat. Do you see that? And I'm kind of going off script here, but do you see the new age of the younger generation who've come up through COVID and this new work from home mentality as an impediment to achieving, you know, success the way you're suggesting. You've got to have passion and you've got to do sacrifices. Well, I certainly think there's a danger of that happening, but let me say what I see of young journalists coming up, that is people who are already in journalism, but um, terrific. As for the COVID generation, I frankly, I have great confidence they will learn the lessons that we're reviewing here this morning. But it is important that they understand. That's one reason I mentioned the, the polar star of your dream, the reminding yourself what it takes. Because let's be clear about this, and you know this, actually. Anybody who's survived, much less thrived in journalism, knows this. Journalism is a very difficult profession. 
I prefer to call it a craft, but nonetheless, let's call it for the moment a profession. It's a very difficult profession. It's a difficult profession to break into. It's a difficult profession to hang on to in the early stages uh, that the first two or three years were particularly favorite, partly because it's low paid, secondly, because it requires so much of you. And that's where this total dedication, journalism is one of those careers, and I hope our young friends really absorb this. Journalism is a career in which you have to be all in. You have to have, a, a, as I say, a hot burning flame to do it, and you have to be completely dedicated to it. Now, there are plenty of professions where that isn't true, that if you're a banker, it's a worthwhile profession, a lot of good work to be done, but you come in at nine o'clock, you leave at five o'clock. There are plenty of other professions. Journalism is not that way. Journalism is you, you have to be completely in. It's, I'd hate, I don't like to use the word obsession, but it takes something nearly an obsession to say, this, this I've got to do, I, I just have to do it. Uh, some people say a calling, which is a religious reference, but it is kind of a calling. And if you don't feel that, you should get into something else. But if you do feel it, journalism can be a great career, can absolutely be a great career. One, you, you have the sense of you're being part of something bigger than yourself, that you're contributing to, to your country, you're contributing to the well-being of, I hate to say the world because you sound like one of the old man's going too much, but it's true. But it's, these are the things that make journalism worth going into. But you have to realize what you're getting into. You are in effect, it's a, it's a kind of marriage a, a, a total life dedication, this I'm going to do because I I absolutely positively have to do it. And please understand that along with all the good things about journalism, part of the downside is, folks, and there's no gentle way to put it, journalism is hell on relationships. It's hell on friendships, kinships, marriages, because if you have this passion to do it, when a big story breaks, or you sniff a big story somewhere out there in the distance and you go to it, somebody's going to pay a price by a birthday you didn't pay attention to, or anniversary you weren't there for, or Christmas or New Year's you didn't make. That's journalism. And if you aren't prepared to pay that price, you really should decide in the here and now to get into something else. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm so glad you, you said that about the calling because I feel so fortunate, Dan, that I, I knew in college I wanted to do this and Two weeks after graduation, I was in it and I was a cameraman in a little tiny town of 2000 people. I was a cameraman and I knew nothing about photography, but I just wanted in any way I could get in. And, you know, that it's changed so much over these years. I was lucky to look to you, uh, Peter, Tom. I mean, you guys were the, you were the, you were that gold star we, we all wanted to aspire to be. Who was it for you? Who, and this is the question, who were your most important mentors and how did you approach them? What were they doing? The job that you wanted to do or something else? Well, I had a, a, a lot of mentors coming up, elementary school, middle school, high school. I can tick off the names of teachers who encouraged me because they were the ones who recognized and knew that I was very lucky. I cannot remember a time when I didn't want to be a journalist, but I understand I'm lucky. Most people are not this way. Why I was that way, I don't know. I think partly it was my mother and father were such avid newspaper readers that I came to believe they were reading newspapers so much, it must be important. Anyway, I always dreamed of wanting to be a reporter. By the way, when I was coming up, nobody used the phrase journalist except maybe a journalist was a reporter with a cane, but everybody else was just a reporter. But my dream, because it was the era of newspapers, my dream was to be a newspaper reporter. But I was was lucky in the sense that I had rheumatic fever between the ages of 11 and 14, which meant I was bedridden, and I mean really bedridden for most of the time. That corresponded overlap with World War II when the great radio reporters. Television didn't exist at that time. Edward R. Murrow, Eric Severide, Charles Collingwood. These are names that I think probably are unknown to most of the people taking part in this little session today. But they became mentors without even knowing it. I'm bedridden. I had the radio was my constant companion. And here were these guys in faraway places with strange sounding names, leading dangerous read that to the young boy, adventurous lives. So by mentors by extension, they were. But in-person mentors, uh, my journalism professor at Sam Houston State Teachers College, it's now called Sam Houston State University, it's a large university. But when I went there, it was a small teachers college, 900 to 1500 students. My journalism professor, Hugh Cunningham, really was an inspiration. And what he gave me was a sense he always had 
one of you saying was, you can do it. You can do it. You have to believe in yourself and you can do it. So he was a great mentor of mine. When I got to CBS News, uh, a mentor of mine uh, was uh, Charles Collingwood, who was a great CBS News correspondent. Again, his name has faded into the distance. Um, but I was really lucky, actually, because when I came to CBS in 1962, I walked the halls of legends. Edward R. Murrow was still around. He left the network. Murrow was there. Eric Severide, Collingwood. Again, these names may not know, but these people were, they were above just being legends. If they'd been a journalism Mount Rushmore, they would have been carved into it. And, and I walked the halls with these guys. And where they really helped me is, is by sometimes not saying directly, but letting me know saying, you're good. You're really good. You can become great, but you need to improve your writing. You need to get in write faster, write better by giving advice. So those were among my mentors. And they did. Did you feel as though back then they were magnanimous? They were willing to help? Or did you have to scrape and claw for any advice you got? No, no, no. It was, if I asked, they answered. And uh -huh. once in a great while, they, if I didn't ask, they would say uh, something. Uh, that, for example, the great Eric Severide, who in his day was considered to be the most intellectual television correspondent, which may be damning with faint praise because television correspondents were not generally considered very intellectual, but uh, that he considered me, and rightly so, undereducated, as he put it. So he said to me, you need to spend more time reading the great books, Homer, Thucydides, Montaigne, you know, right up the line. Uh, and he felt strongly about it. Uh, so it was a case of most of the time, if I asked, I gave. Occasionally, even if I didn't ask, they would give. I've got somebody who asked the questions. Dean Weatherby, he's from Waco, Texas. He says, Mr. Rather, as a fellow Sam Houston State University graduate, what role did the university play in helping you land that first job in journalism? And what do you think universities should be doing now to prepare future journalists for the impending changes in broadcast news? That's a big question. Well, that's the first of what I got at Sam Houston, which I owe a lot to what is now Sam Houston State University. First of all, I didn't really know how to study until I got to Sam Houston. Yes, I'd gone all the way through, you know, earlier schools, but it did. And they taught me to analytical thinking, which is the key thing I think universities can do. And the most important thing is they taught me to believe in myself. As I said, Professor Cunningham was the most important in that. But now as to the second question, I'm sort of smiling because I doubt seriously that I'm qualified to tell universities what they should be teaching. But since you ask, and under the anchorman's creed of frequently an error, but never in doubt, I will tell you what I think universities should do. First of all, they should give students well, a, what used to be called a classical education, or at least brush with it. They should study the ancient Greeks and Romans and ancient Chinese uh, and at least have an introduction to it. Uh, 
Secondly, they should require a course in advanced civics. I'm stunned frequently these days, even by students who have graduated from so-called elite colleges, of how little they know of, of how laws get passed, how the system of government really works. So a broad general education that concentrates on analytical thinking and does everything it can to have the student believe in his or herself is what I think universities should be teaching. What about the first job? Um, the And that's, I'm going to branch out from uh, what Mr. Weatherby asked, and that is getting the first job. I just did whatever it took. I became a cameraman, even though that was not what I wanted to do. Do you think that there is a lack of uh, delayed gratification in people seeking jobs and big salaries today? And do you think that more people should be willing to do jobs they don't want to do in order to move through the ranks? Absolutely. I'm very glad you asked that question because my answer is absolutely. I do think there's far too much emphasis on getting the first job at a so-called high level. Um, uh, frankly, because I started at the very bottom, remember that my first newspaper job was with the Huntsville Item uh, in Huntsville, Texas, where the school was located. It was a weekly newspaper. Uh, it doesn't get much lower than that. My first radio job was also in Huntsville at a 250-watt radio station. Here's the point. When you start at a low job, like you're, just, you're saying you took on a job as a camera person, and what an awkward phrase. I'm glad you said cameraman because camera person is a very awkward phrase. But I, I would say in choosing a first job, if you can afford it, and that's a big question, I, I, I understand. You may not be able to I think you can afford it, but let me just be straight about it. The lower you start, the more opportunity you will have to learn because the more things you get to do. And uh, an example will be ad-libbing. Look, I was not the best anchor man in the history of television. I may not have uh, well, I think I was okay, okay journalist, but I was always a strong ad-libber. And one reason I wound up with the ultimate job as the anchor and managing editor of the CBS Evening News is because I was a strong ad-libber. That came from long days and nights at that small radio station in Huntsville. I, I, I did play-by-play -play of football games four times a week for four seasons. I did football, basketball, baseball, Hell, I even tried to do play a play on track, which is nearly impossible. But my point is that all of that prepared me for the day when you, you have no script, the day Kennedy was assassinated, for example, where there is no script, where you're ad-living all day long. So back to your question, I would prefer that you start at a low place rather than a higher place. But that's a very tough message to sell. I know young people, particularly these days, want to start as at high a place as they can. I, I won't say I think it's a mistake, but I do recommend take a job at, at a place where you get to do the most things because that's where you learn the most. This is a great question as well. Um, where do you get your news from and which journalists do you respect? And I love the question because you just said, 
back in the day, you know, journalists were considered intellectuals. I think today, if you were to ask the man on the street, he'd say it's a bunch of performers with scripts uh, who have great hair and teeth. So I think there's a nice, healthy mix of that. But um, what what are your impressions of um, of those you respect, the journalists you watch? Well, first of all, I'm not going to mention any one or two people, and I'll tell you why. If I mention one or two, then the ones I don't mention never get mad about it and you never forgive you. So forgive me, if you will. There are a lot of really good journalists on the air. But there are a lot of people on the air who are performers, who are basically entertainers, who are not journalists. And if you really press them, they don't even claim to be journalists. And I respect that. But among people who are journalists who are on the air, there are a lot of people out there trying to do a good job. It's a very difficult job to do, particularly in today's environment. But as to where I get my news, uh, almost everywhere. I watch television all the time. I read, literally read three or four newspapers a day. But when I absolutely positively have to have it, something breaks and I want to make sure that it isn't false or misleading, I'll go to the Associated Press or Reuters. And the reason is these are two worldwide really news gathering operations. They're not just news packages and news gathering they have reported on the ground. And they've been in business a long time and they have high standards. So when you boil it down, I'd say the AP and Reuters, when you absolutely have to have it. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up with this one last question. I, I launched this uh, series in order to bring young people face-to-face um, -face with titans of the industry like yourself to get their principled best practices and to continue to foster the greatness of the world of broadcast television journalism. Do you, Dan Rather, have hope that our industry is on a good path, or if it's not on a good path, that we can right the ship. Um, what are your perspectives of the future of this business? Well, first of all, I'm an optimist by nature and by experience. And I think, frankly, the best days of, of journalism, particularly American journalism, are still ahead of us and not behind us. Do we have problems? You bet. So I would answer your question in two ways. Uh, I'm optimistic in general about the long-range future. Secondarily, I am worried about today because I'm worried that so many young journalists coming up, educated, passionate, committed, but they are in danger of succumbing to pessimism because there's so much pressure saying, well, everybody's either, quote, liberal or, quote, conservative or, quote, reactionary or, left-wing and right-wing, and they forget that the journalist creed, and this is Dan Rather's version of it, which nobody's going to carve in stone, is that I tell people all the time, because I believe it within myself, whatever I'm not left-wing, I'm not right-wing, I'm not chicken-wing, I'm just I'm another American who cares deeply about the country, and Dick cares deeply about my profession. And if young people just remind themselves Hey, I got into journalism because it's a chance to do something that matters. Good journalism counts. If they just remind themselves, that's why I want to get into it. 
and the kind of journalism I want to be. Never, I'm not going to let other people describe me and put a brand on me. Know who you are and know what you be, that you're not left-wing, you're not right-wing, you're not chicken-wing. You're another American who cares about his country and is practicing journalism because of that. I can't thank you enough for this. Um, I know I speak for everybody who's on the Zoom. They're all muted so that we can get, you know, your perspectives, uh, you know, for the full half hour. But the, the comments are extraordinary. I can't read them all. Everybody feels the same way I do. Dan, thank you so much for this. Thank you for 70 remarkable years in this business. And I'm looking forward to all the next ones, too. Uh, God bless you, sweetie. I hope to see you soon. Thank you, Ashley. God bless you. Thank you, Dan. See you soon. Love you. Don't forget, you can watch me every night on News Nation at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast. Don't know where to watch us? Just go to www.joinnn.com. Enter your zip code, and the channel finder will show you where you can find us on your broadcast dial. But don't forget, we're also on all the streamers, Hulu, Roku, YouTube TV. This is Ashley Banfield, and thanks so much for joining me for this edition of Rising Tide. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.